very excited about getting him where we got him. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. Lake Lock is down to one. McCown gets it off. He's throwing long on the near side for Anderson. He's got him into the open field. Touchdown, Jets! And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we are joined by Evan Silva, senior football editor at Roto World, and then Eric Allen, who is the Jets team insider uh, for their official website. Uh, before we dive into those two interviews, I want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to go to primesport.com slash turn on the Jets to see all of their packages for the upcoming Big East tournament, ACC tournament, March Madness. Check it all out. They have all the basketball stuff going on before we get back into football season when they'll have different Jets hospitality packages ready for you guys to browse. Again, that's primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. Give them a follow on Facebook at Primesport. Give them a follow on Twitter at Primesport. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Razorsport.com. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. They are the best in the biz when it comes to betting consultants. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter as well, at Razorsport Club. Don't make any decisions on March Madness or any of your other NBA or NHL betting before going to Razorsport.com. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. E-R-S-P-O-R-T.com. Make sure to support Prime Sport. Make sure to support Razor Sport. They support the pod, so we appreciate you guys who listen and giving support back to them. Also want to remind you guys that the podcast is now also available on Google Play and Spotify, along with our normal iTunes location where, hey, we always appreciate a rating, review. Uh, another subscription always helps. So first we're going to talk with Evan from Roto World, and then we'll talk with Eric uh, we'll dive into those interviews now. All right, and first up tonight, we are joined by Evan Silva. He is the senior football editor at Roto World. Evan, thank you for taking the time for joining us tonight. Joe, old friend, I'm glad that we could get back together again. Thank you so much for having me on, on with you. Absolutely, it's been a while. I think it's been at least it's been at least a few years, but we got we got a big Jets off season upcoming, so. I wanted to bring you in and get get some high-level thoughts about what you think uh, is on the way with free agency and the current state of the team. So from a big-picture perspective, Mike McCadden and Todd Bowles heading into their fourth year. They're currently 20-28 and 28 with zero playoff appearances on their resume. What, is, what do you think of the current state of the team, and what do you think the patience level should be right now among Jet fans for these two? Yeah, so the – Jets, obviously, and this probably bothered their fans, I'm sure, uh, they were skewered by everyone last offseason for their distinct lack of talent on their roster. I think that we will hear less about this offseason because they played respectably on the field, but the roster isn't in that much different of condition. I mean, with the exception of possibly safety, there isn't a position group on the Jets roster that you could classify as a strength, I think, right now. Mike McCagnan is through three drafts. His drafts have been bad. Uh, he's not giving the Jets any discernible edge. He's not outsmarting anyone. He's not winning the draft. I think he's a replacement-level GM. And I know that he got a lot of fans excited in year one. He made some short-term uh, veteran additions, and they paid off in the short term. And the Jets capitalized that year on having one of the NFL's easiest schedules. And they almost made the playoffs, but it was a tease. And Mike McCagnan won uh, NFL Executive of the 
the year that year. And by the way, I'm not sure if you've ever gone back and looked at past winners of the NFL Executive of the Year Award before, but it's almost a who's who of guys who are about to be fired. I mean, Ryan Grigson, Scott Pioli in Kansas City, Trent Balk, John Dorsey. The NFL Executive of the Year Award has some descriptive value, I think, about what happened and in that particular year, but it, it has like no predictive value. If you win NFL executive of the year, it really means nothing about how much success that you're going to have in the future. Yeah. I mean, that feels like it was a hundred years ago. And I think the fact that that yeah. happened, that he has an award to his name has bought him a little bit of rope, I think with most of the New York media, whereas he's not getting as much pressure as you would think a New York GM would. But I think people are still wrapped around that first year, which was really, he walked into a situation with a ton of cap space and with nowhere to go but up, spent that money, and like you said, it was mostly just a short-term benefit. Tried to double down on it, and, you know, here we are. Um, so He was out there just spending Idzik's money. Exactly, exactly. And he, you know, <laughs> Idzik was, again, a very easy act to follow here because he was completely, you know, despised by the media and most of the fan base, so he had a low bar to clear, and... I think I've, a couple of people have said this best. I think McCadden's best trait so far has been not just not being John Idzik, but that's just a low bar to clear for this team. So the Jets are rumored to be heavily in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. Some people are framing them up as the favorite or at least one of the favorites alongside Denver and Minnesota. Do you think that is the most logical route for them to go to fix their quarterback position? Would you have any hesitation about making him the NFL's highest paid player, which will be at least for a short period of time? And ultimately, where do you think he ends up this offseason? I mean, I personally would love to see the Jets just take Baker Mayfield at number six, and I think he'll be available there. Uh, but we can't say for sure if, he'll, if he will be there, and we certainly can't say for sure if Mike McCagan will think he's worth that pick. So. With those being unknowns, I think it does make sense for the Jets to go hard after Kirk Cousins, and they definitely can fit him under their cap. I mean, they're up toward $100 million in cap space after Matt Forte retired and Muhammad Wilkerson got cut. And I realize that the Jets don't have much to put around Kirk Cousins right now, and I realize that there's a feeling that he was a product of players or scheme around him in Washington. I just don't agree with that. He produced in some very adverse circumstances circumstances. Jordan Reed got hurt all the time. Chris Thompson got hurt all the time. Deshaun Jackson left. Terrell Pryor busted. Josh Doxson has disappointed. Uh, And there were times last year when the entire Redskins offensive line was injured. Literally the entire offensive line was hurt. And the Redskins were starting offensive linemen that they signed off the street. And Kirk Cousins was still a very efficient player uh, in in that offense with uh, just a, a, a mess of a supporting cast for long stretches. So I do think it makes sense for the Jets with their cap flexibility to be willing to spend on such a valuable player at such a valuable position. I actually think that Kirk Cousins is going to sign with the Vikings, though. Uh, But I think that the the Jets' interest is reasonable and the approach that they should be taking, even if they fall short of sealing the deal. So I I agree with you that Minnesota is the favorite because just because of Mm -hmm. how they're currently constructed and they do have the money to take care of him and probably still make him the highest paid player in the league if they structure the contract properly. So you mentioned Baker Mayfield. So if the Jets do miss out on Cousins, 
What do you think is the best fallback plan to fix at quarterback? Would you avoid the rest of the free agent market and do what is necessary to get Mayfield uh, at six, who I think is definitely a popular option among many Jet fans? I think Jet fans' biggest concern is missing on Cousins and then McCagnan, the guy who took Christian Hackenberg in the second round, deciding to do something like take Josh Allen instead of Baker Mayfield. But do you? What would you be? What would be your fallback course of action if you miss out on Cousins? I would love to see Baker Mayfield on the Jets. And I think that he would be ideal if they evaluate him as worthy of that pick and if he makes it to number six, which, I, again, I think he will. Um, beyond that, your options are limited. You're probably looking at Case Keenum, who likely was a byproduct of the system and players around him in Minnesota and who would be playing in a very different elements in the Meadowlands after having his breakout year in the Dome with Stefan Diggs and Kyle Rudolph and Jarek McKinnon and Adam Thielen. And then you're looking at... Uh, further down the free agent list, an, an unproven guy with questionable talent like A.J. McCarron or a veteran with a brutal injury history and a bad knees like Sam Bradford. Uh, I mean, I guess you could look at bringing back Josh McCown, but obviously at age 39, he's a bridge quarterback at best. You could look at Teddy Bridgewater, who is still only 25 years old. But it is a pretty big red flag, I think, that the Vikings appear willing to let Teddy Bridgewater hit free agency. We just don't know where he is from a health standpoint. And I think that you can only sign him to an incentive heavy deal. Now, I think it would make sense to pair a guy like Teddy Bridgewater with a guy like Baker Mayfield. You're taking two legitimate shots at the quarterback position. Um, and then you, you probably carry three quarterbacks and you probably carry a veteran uh, to go with Baker Mayfield and Teddy Bridgewater. I, I think that that would be a very interesting uh, approach for the Jets. Looking at the draft just sort of from a big picture perspective, are you a believer in sort of blindly just selecting best player available regardless of circumstance, or do you think it is important to give more weight uh, to higher impact positions, quarterback, pass rusher, uh, a cornerback, offensive tackle? And I ask this question basically because have the Jets done themselves a disservice by taking mm -hmm. a defensive end, an inside linebacker, and a strong safety in the first round? Twice they had the six overall pick under McCagnan. They went Leonard Williams and Jamal Adams. The positive view on that pick would be, hey, those were the two safest players in the draft. A lot of people thought they were the best players in the draft. The other end of that is that, hey, even if they're really good, it's defensive end and safety. So maybe you should have took a swing on Deshaun Watson or should have got Vic Beasley instead and got a legitimate edge rusher. But how do you you know, assess positional value versus best player overall? Man, Darren Lee was a tough one. You know, he was widely considered a can't-miss guy. And I think that the expectations were very high for him and if he would have met those expectations and look he's still a young player I guess maybe he there's still a chance that he could come around uh he can be an impact player in the passing game as for like I don't think the Jets did themselves a disservice by going defensive end and safety in the first round in those other drafts I mean those are positions that affect passing games and I think that in a league where the rules have changed so much in favor of the passing game you definitely want to upgrade those those positions based on positional value but the Jets got what looks like two good safeties and of course Leonard Williams who was top eight at his position in quarterback hurries in each of the last two years unfortunately the Jets just don't have enough talent at the other positions that affect the passing game to be a good team Robbie Anderson has flashed uh, but I'm worried about him off the field you don't even know how many games you're going to get from him this upcoming season he right now you can't look at him as a reliable guy 
for the future. Um, and besides that, you're, ba- you're in bad shape at quarterback. All the other wide receiver positions, tight end, because Austin Safarian Jenkins is a free agent. And he averaged, what, like seven yards per catch last season. Offensive line, you have no pass rush besides Leonard Williams. I mean, Demario Davis led the Jets in sacks last year, and he's an backer, and he's a free agent. So, And you have almost nothing at cornerback right now. So the Jets just have so little talent that they can hang their hat on. No, I mean, look, it's, it's a fair point. I think it's just that much more important to get a solid cornerback to help the investment in Jamal Adams mm-hmm. and Marcus May pay off and get somebody to yep. take some pressure off Leonard Williams up front so he could really reach his full potential. And that, you know, if McCadden can't do it this offseason with $100 million in cap space and eight picks and the sixth overall pick, I don't know when he's going to do it. So, Or a pass rusher. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time that the Jets had a legitimate edge rusher? John Abraham is <laughs> like over a decade ago, well over a decade ago yeah. now. It's been, it's been. I remember the, the Calvin, I remember the Calvin Pace years. Yeah, God. I mean, Pace actually somehow found his way into getting 10 sacks one season, but was like a quintessential guy who was like that. good against the run, but not a lead pass rusher who's going to be disruptive every single week. Um, mm-hmm. Before we wrap. Uh, with the success of the Eagles this year, uh, a forward-thinking, mm-hmm. analytics-minded team, do you think more teams will become more forward-thinking towards analytics and breaking the mold of sort of the traditional, strategic punning on on your own on your opponent's forty-one-yard line instead of going forward on fourth down? Do you think teams will follow that lead, or are we still going to be stuck with two-thirds of the league? just continuing to think in a conservative old style of way uh to me the coolest thing that the eagles did was they put an analytics guy in doug peterson's headset so as a play caller he's hearing in his headset success rates of play calls that he might make on a certain down and distance and then the win probability added if they do execute and so what he gets to do is use his football knowledge and combine it with analytics to make the best possible decision in every situation and I think that most play callers in the NFL make much more emotion or feel driven decisions like oh we didn't run the ball well on our first five or six carries so we can't do that anymore they must have us figured out or oh this play didn't work before so I can't use it again I mean those are feelings and emotions that a play caller not using analytics definitely experiences I mean he's human and he almost certainly lets those feelings and emotions drive at least some of his decisions, if not all of them. Whereas Doug Peterson is still using his football acumen and his football field, but he's combining it with real-time probabilities. So he's making much more informed decisions than his competition, and he's therefore getting a competitive advantage. The NFL is so slow to move on stuff like this, so I I would bet that only maybe a small handful of uh, play callers on offense or defense will copy Doug Peterson's strategy and for however long it takes for every single team in the league to put analytics guys into play callers headsets the teams actually doing it will maintain a competitive advantage and that is the way to win I mean you draft players and you hope to do well to gain a competitive advantage you hire this coach because you think he can give you a competitive advantage you lift weights to get an advantage on your competition and you use probability to improve your in-game decision making because it gives you a competitive advantage. It's it's what this stuff is all about. This is this is why you lift all those weights. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I absolutely agree, and I just hope that we see more teams not shy away. Like you read some of these quotes from like John Gruden today, the scouting combine, and it's like, what are you like? What are you even talking <laughs> talking about? And know. you know, again, the Jets, you know, have a new offensive coordinator in Jeremy Bates, and hopefully, uh, with a new quarterback, mm-hmm. the Jets will be a little more forward thinking. Just get some more talent to start, and we'll take it. We'll take it from there. All right. Evan Silva, senior football editor at Roto World. Follow him on Twitter at Evan Silva. Evan, thanks as always for joining us. Should be a fun off season. Thank you, man. And we are back with our second guest on this week's podcast, Eric Allen, team reporter for NewYorkJets.com. He's been a longtime uh, friend of the site. It's been a while since we've done a podcast uh, together, but great to have you back on, Eric. How's everything going? Joe, it's a busy time of year, as you know all too well. Things are going very well, and yeah, it has been too long, so I'm excited to talk a little Jets football with you. All right, so obviously the story right now is the Jets brass is uh, on the ground at the NFL scouting combine. We got some public comments from Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles yesterday. They're usually pretty closely guarded with the media, but what what are some things that uh, you're looking for over the next couple of weeks as what the main storylines are going to be around this team. Did anything that McCagnan or Bulls say uh, kind of jump off the page to you? And where do you think, particularly in free agency, the Jets are going to focus most of their attention? Well, yeah, there's a couple things that stood out to me. The one was that I think there's an external narrative out there that hey, it's Kirk Cousins or Bust for the Jets. And I think Todd Bowles did a good job dispelling that notion by saying, hey, listen, we got to have plans A, B, C, and D. Now, I know a lot of people have different opinions on that, but my, my take on this all along, Joe, and I don't know how you feel about this, is that, hey, listen, you you got to have multiple plans because it, even if you target Kirk Cousins as your number one guy, you have $90 million uh, under the, your $90 million under the cap. You got the sixth overall pick. You got three picks in the top 49. So, uh, you know, I, I think that the external narrative out there is that uh, the Jets are going all in uh, for uh, Kirk Cousins, which they very well might. But with that being said, I, I still think organizationally, you have to have uh, a number of different ways of attacking the quarterback position. And I think the Jets are going to be prepared for that. Uh, the other thing is Mike McCagnan uh, said that, hey, listen, free agency moves very quickly, and we're going to be in the market for some of those high, higher-profile players early. So March 14th, to nobody's surprise, is the Jets are going to be in a lot of conversations. So, um, you know, the news as far as uh, Matt Forte, uh, I thought he could be a possible release of the Jets, 32 years old, chronic knee problems. Um, but I, I wasn't expected in retirement, so that was a minor surprise. And then, obviously, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, I know a lot of people have been expecting his release, and indeed that happened. And again, the Jets got out of that contract, and now, you know, they got $91 million, uh, like I said, under the cap. The other thing, Joe, is that Mike said when he was asked about the defensive line, not without Muhammad Wilkerson, he said, uh, we have other positions in need that are of higher priority to us right now than the defensive line. So that kind of stood out to me as well. What do you think is the Jets' 
sales pitch to prospective free agents coming in this offseason. Not just Cousins or any quarterback, but obviously they're going to spend a lot of money this offseason. That's why they carved out this much cap space. So what, you know, what is the pitch the Jets are making based on where they're currently at and where they're going? Yeah, I think the pitch is that this is an organization in the upswing that if you're Todd Bowles and Mike McCagna, I know a lot of fans, rightfully so, they want a winner uh, yesterday. And, you know, it's been seven years since the Jets made the postseason. We're going on the eighth season. But Mike McCagna and Todd Bowles have only been here three years. And they, I, I thought the plan was right immediately out of the gate. They went for it. Uh, in 2016, a number of those veterans fell off, and in 2017, they had to clean it up. But if you're a young player out there who's entering his second contract, and you're looking at the Jets right now, and if you're a defensive player, let's just say you're a cornerback, hypothetically, and you see Jamal Adams and Marcus May out there at safety, if I'm a cornerback, that's very attractive to me to play in that kind of system. If I am an outside linebacker um, who is going to be coveted by multiple suitors, I can look at this defense and say, hey, listen, there are a lot of pieces there. There's a lot of young pieces. There's a Leonard Williams. Uh, Darren Lee got better. He took some steps in the second season at the inside linebacker position. We'll just see if Demario uh, Davis comes back. But that secondary with those safeties, you, you, you have some pieces on each level. So if you're an outside linebacker, you can say, okay, I could be a rush linebacker maybe in the system, and maybe I'm one of the – uh, final pieces, not for the Jets to go over the top, but to become from a middle of the league defense to maybe a top 10 defense in the National Football League. Um, offensively, you know, uh, Jeremy Bates, Joe, I thought was very impressive last year. Um, and obviously he's very in sync with Todd Bowles. And the quarterback's coach last season, uh, Josh McCown had a career year. Uh, worked with Mike Shanahan before, had a lot of success in Denver, as we know. So um, if you're a quarterback or somebody looking at uh, Jets offensively, you can say, okay, well, I can get inserted if uh, you know, you're a playmaker. Uh, you can be like, okay, well, I can look at Bates and say, well, he's he's got a resume on him. And also he, he trained up a quarterback last year at a career year. And the receivers here last season, Jermaine Kurz, Robbie Anderson, they career years themselves, and there's some opportunities. So I, I think the Jets, uh, it's a great facility. And as you know, Joe, you've been covering this team forever, is that this is New York, and, and you also have an opportunity to be part of uh, the fix in the Jets. And I've always been a, of the thought process that, hey, listen, you're a five-win team right now. You are what your record is. But the jump from five to nine, or 10 in the National Football League, it's not as great as the jump from 9 or 10 to 11 and 12 every year. So, um, you know, money talks, no doubt about it, but I think there is an atmosphere, there's a good chemistry. I think that uh, Christopher Johnson did a great job in his first year as CEO. It's a, it's a tremendous facility. I think there's a lot of good selling points for the Jets, and then the bottom line is they got a lot of money too. Who are a couple players, and obviously you're around the team every single day, and you, you've been so for a while. Who are a few players in the bottom half of the roster that 
most fans are not really thinking about having a potential big role in 2018 that you think will step up and you know kind of be the guys who come a little bit out of nowhere to have a big impact and have a big role on the team next season that maybe weren't that involved this past year? Well, I'm following you on Twitter. I know a lot of your fans are. I think that you're hitting the nail on the head when you talk about Eli McGuire. I don't even know if you say, well, you, you can't even say that at the bottom of the roster, but he was the third running back per se last year. Now Matt Forte exits. So you would figure that uh, Eli McGuire has a great opportunity to become um, a greater part of this offense in 2018. So that's one of the guys that stands out to me on that side of the ball. The other, other guy that's very interesting to me, Joe, is that uh, one of the players that Todd Bowles said took the most steps last year is actually uh, a free agent, and that's Dakota Dozier. And what are the Jets going to do at guard? I know a lot of people uh, have looked at uh, James Carpenter, Brian Winters, both under contract, things like that. But uh, will Dakota Dozier come back? Because I think the Jets like his development, and he can be kind of that guy who can help you maybe from a perspective of he's your backup center and then also he's a versatile guard that's going to be there for you. So, uh, you know, Todd said that at the end of last year is that Dakota Dozier is one of the most improved players uh, on our roster. On the other side of the ball, um, you know, we talked about safeties. Uh, the cornerback position is pretty interesting because um, my thing is, you know, and you're saying uh, bottom half of the roster, I think there's going to be uh, some opportunities for guys who are going to be stepping in as far as those backup positions this year because we don't know what the Jets' cornerback position is going to look like with Morris Claiborne being an unrestricted free agent. How many cornerbacks are the Jets going to bring in here and what um, ultimately, who are the guys who are going to be the fourth and fifth guys at that position uh, for this team moving forward? Um, inside linebacker, that, and, and that's another key question mark for me because it's hard for me to point at guys because Demario Davis, unrestricted free agent, and a couple of those backups on the inside are unrestricted free agents as well. You're talking about Bruce Carter, Julian Stanford; those guys are uh, backup uh, unrestricted free agents as well. So a lot of moving parts there. Um, Mike McCagnan did discuss Joe yesterday. He liked what he got out of Mike Pinal. And it, like I said, I thought it was, you know, that was intriguing to me that he said, hey, listen, we're, we have other spots on this roster that we feel are more of uh, more of an urgency for us to take care of than defensive line. And he pointed to guys like Mike Pinnell, uh, his development, uh, obviously uh, Steve McClendon, and I think it, he's a veteran. And I don't think he's the guy who gets enough credit for what he's brought to the table inside the locker room and also from his run-stuffing ability. Sort of a similar question, but more related to the coaching staff and the rest of the support and front office staff. Obviously, most of the discussion uh, from fans focuses on Bowles, McCagnan, now Jeremy Bates is a new offensive coordinator. Who is a guy... Uh, a part of this staff, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's somewhere uh, in the front office involved with analytics or scouting, who are one or two guys that fans don't know much about but are making a big impact day-to-day on the direction and decision-making of this team overall? Yeah, you know, one thing I think is getting lost completely in this process, and that's rightfully so because he's not a guy who's out there too much in the media because uh, it's uh, from the Jets' perspective, it's going to be Mike McTagnan and Todd Bowles. Is uh, Matt Bazergan 
is in his first year as scouting director, college scouting director. He's been with this organization since 2004. Joe, he's really heady, really intelligent. He's He's been on both sides of the spectrum as far as he's got pro experience, he's got college experience. We actually sat down with him when we got to Indianapolis here at the Combine and, and sat with him for about 25 minutes. And He's really an impressive guy. And I think as the Jets move forward, and they're talking about building this thing through the draft and obviously complementary pieces through free agency, and they have a lot of flexibility there in free agency, and they still want to bring in young players because that's all part of the plan. Is uh, Matt Bazergan is the guy who, who jumps out to me because he's been with different staffs all along the way, but he's worked his way up to this position. And uh, I asked Mike McKagan about him, and he said he's been really ter- terrific in his first year in this position. All right, Eric, before we let you go, I know the prediction business could be tough, and maybe not specifically players, but we know the Jets are going to be active this offseason. They have eight picks. They have $90 sure. million in cap space. Where do you think most of the positional focus will end up being? And if you can, who are a couple names that are currently not on the team outside of a guy like Kirk Cousins that you think the team could be looking around, whether positionally or some actual targets? Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, for you, for everybody out there listening, I think we all automatically look at the glamour positions and rightfully so. I would make that argument towards the end of last year. You look at the Jets roster, depth-wise, okay. Where you would think that where you're going to make the biggest upgrades was maybe at those glamour positions. And when you think about that offensively, you think of quarterback. Well, again, I think that it's more than just Kirk Cousins out there. I mean, what's going to happen with Minnesota? They got some decisions to make with those three guys. Um, A.J. McCarron is going to end up somewhere. Where is he going to go? Josh McCown brought a lot to this team last year. My thing is staying at six, Joe. If Let's say you sign a veteran quarterback, a.k.a. Josh McCown. My thing with staying at six is if you want a quarterback, you might have to move up because there's no guarantee. Most teams aren't going to sit there in the scouting process and say, okay, I have Darnold on the same line as I got Rosen, as I have Baker Mayfield, as I have Josh Allen. So I, I don't I don't think it works that way. So if you sign a veteran free agent, you really do have your plan is to we got to get a young guy. This is the year we got to draft a young guy. You might have to move up um, because and that's what's happened with teams in the past. And I've always uh, I've been always a thought process that you never can move up, you never can give up too much for a quarterback if your belief is in he is the guy uh the edge rusher market i don't know what it's going to be in free agency because you look at you you think demarcus lawrence is going to be tagged by the cowboys ziggy ants is going to be tagged by the detroit lions um so it's going to be interesting uh what's out there uh at at, um at that position and then i'm really interested to see what happens with the jets at cornerback because morris claiborne played probably the best football of his career last year is he going to be back even if he is back, would the Jets add another one, either in free agency or early in the draft? And then, you know, you think about the offensive line on the offensive side of the ball. We all, we're all focused on the quarterback. Um, one of the things that uh, I think that uh, the Jets think they can improve there, but would you be willing to take a guy that wouldn't be a sexy pick, but 
a lot of people here on the ground in Indianapolis, Joe, they think Quentin Nelson is the best overall prospect in the entire draft. Um, so would you take a guard there? And then would you have to make a move with one of your veterans? That, that, that would be interesting if Nelson's on the board because he's one of those guys, a.k.a. Jamal Adams, a.k.a. Leonard Williams, that a lot of people here are saying that he's the top overall prospect in the draft. Uh, Receiver-wise, um, Jarvis Landry, not out there. You're getting a tag. Uh, there are a couple other names out there. Uh, but the other thing for Jets fans is you got to think, of course, you know what's coming back. So where does he fit into the mix as well? And you don't even have to go outside. If he's healthy, you don't have to go outside by making that addition. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting uh, how it all plays out. I'm all over the board because so many of these things intrigue me right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I look at the cornerback position on defense. I look at the cornerback position on offense. And then uh, I go from there. And then edge rusher. You know, I don't know. Bradley Chubb going to be there at six? Most likely not. But, you know, he'd be a very interesting guy. He's sitting there at six. And you could really boost your defense in a hurry if you were able to add him as a piece. All right, Eric, appreciate you taking the time for joining us. Everyone, make sure to give Eric a follow on Twitter, at EAllenJets. You could find his work at NewYorkJets.com. Eric, let's do this again soon. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it.